Welcome back, everyone, to R2Cast number 125. Um, last week we had arguably the, the father of um, of agricultural podcasting in this country, and Will Evans, um, a bit of a ag Twitter or farming Twitter stalwart that has now deleted Twitter because he no longer believes in it, um, that told us some really great stories about farming as a dad, uh, just how passionate he is about farming i believe he was sixth gen or eighth gen i can't remember i think it might be an eighth gen uh, which is pretty good going um in the area and that's only what records could find they can't go any further back so <clears throat> pretty interesting story and we also managed to start talking about Wrexham football club obviously for those that know football and probably those that don't that just love to look at ryan reynolds like myself and deadpool um have shot onto the scene um, because they've been bought over by Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney and uh, Will Evans has been a fan of them his whole life and there's that famous scene of Ben Foster says the 96th minute Notts County penalty um, and the fans invade the pitch he was in that um, he was in that pitch invasion he sent me a photo of it and it was really cool and you should really go listen to that episode because he talked about a really emotional thing that happened on the pitch and it was really nice so yeah a really sort of raw nice episode <clears throat> was one two four and i think the next episode coming should be with and i'm sorry josh if i'm saying your name wrong here i am probably going to butcher the name of the farm and your surname but i think it's josh hayneek um of park Carreg. Uh, quite an interesting story haven't filmed it yet um but he talks about difficulties he talks about um sort of setting himself up for a challenge and he, he goes into what was involved in that challenge so that's all i'm gonna all i'm gonna give you and before i introduce you to our wonderful guest today i will give you a little update on <laughs> my walk around Aaron. <clears throat> so for those of you that don't know, eh, I started doing a fundraiser for SAYFC and RSABI. SAYFC being the Scottish sort of band of young farmers, um, uh, an organisation I wasn't involved in until last year at all, and now find myself as National Vice Chair of Communications and Marketing. <laughs> they definitely sent the email to the wrong person, um, but offer a fantastic amount of opportunities and just general social respite, if you will, for, for a lot of youngsters in the country. And they are the main, it's sorry, not the main, the biggest rural youth group in the country, <clears throat> as well as RSABI, <clears throat> the sort of Scottish um wing if you will of rabi so somewhat of a sort of rural samaritans uh, it's probably the easiest way to explain that um and my thing was to do was walk around Aaron twice for those of you that know me i'm from Aaron. Aaron is 56 miles round so i was going to do a 112 mile walk i didn't know if i could do it it's 4.7 marathons <clears throat> i was going to do it in two days i reckoned i could do it but it was going to be a challenge everything was going fine i was 21 kilometers in i'd done it in three hours eight minutes which is from what I understand, decent, um, and all was going well. And I got hit by a car. <laughs> I got knocked off the road um, by a sort of black-looking, new-style Volkswagen Bongo. <clears throat> uh, I bounced off a fence a good metre and a half, two metres from the car, and uh, hurt my leg. Um, I then did another 26 kilometres, and it, my foot was just dangling. <clears throat> it wasn't moving at all. It wasn't working. Uh, and I was like, there's something wrong with my calf here. And it turned out when I'd been hit with the car, I tore my calf. So, um, yeah, all was fine. I was obviously able to walk three quarters of a marathon after it, so it must be all right. Uh, but, yes, let me tell you, a bit of advice for you is do not get hit by a car, because, by God, it hurts. Uh, so I never managed to do the fundraiser. Uh, but I managed to do half of Aaron. So for those that know Aaron, I started at Kinloch, went south end, and ended in Corrie, uh, which was pretty good going with one leg. Um, but I do plan on completing it another time, uh, maybe when I can walk. I'm currently sitting here. I was going to show you crutches, but this won't be a video. Um, currently sitting here using crutches, so hopefully we'll be back soon after that. <clears throat> we are still at a phenomenal amount raised um, before gift aid, which is basically 25% added on to the donations from those that pay tax um, I think we're sitting at 2,300 so really good half of that will go to SEYFC half of that will go to RSABI so thank you very much if you shared or donated but nobody wants to hear me about me anymore <clears throat> this is not the R2Cast Wallace episode um, today our guest is uh, you might follow on Instagram as I think it's cups.on.cows so cups on cows I think I've said that right um, and the lady behind that is Holly Atkinson. Holly, would you like to say hello? <clears throat> Hi, <laughs> hello. 
Just before we get started with another episode of the R2Cast, I would like to thank our primary sponsors, A-Plan Rural. A-Plan Rural are heavily involved on the social media scene in the ag space with 120,000 followers on Instagram. They use this following to host social media takeovers with farmers throughout the country to showcase their stories. They also post to their rural community blog with further stories about these people in the industry. On top of this, they like to support initiatives that are championing the British agricultural industry, such as myself. So thank you to A-Plan Rural for that. Very much looking forward to having you on. Um, Looking forward to it yourself. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, thank you for having me. Um, I still can't believe that you actually walked. I didn't realise you walked that much that far after you got here. I'm still, yeah, I'm distracted by that. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, walked five k more with with it than before. <laughs> That's nuts. That's nuts. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Um, oh, it happens to us all. It happens to us all. I think it doesn't, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's actually funny. Um, we were speaking to mum after I'd sort of, I went into a bit of a state in fairness. I felt like a failure and I was crying and all this sort of stuff. Well, and, uh, yeah, you're lucky alive. Well, yeah, the, the van's probably lucky to still be moving given my size. But anyway, um, <laughs> mum was chatting <laughs> and she was like, uh, mum had been involved in the hit and run herself. Uh, she was um, she was in a car park, and uh, I, I, here I can't say it. And I chose not to try and find who had hit me, so uh, obviously didn't bother me. But I was like, you should have tried to work out. An old couple had reversed in a car park and like ran, knocked my mum over, and uh, oh my mum uh, be my mum like went to see how they were, and like went caught like the handle of the driver, and they drove off. <laughs> she like caught the handle. <laughs> Um, so just waiting for my dad to get run over. By the way, I really shouldn't say that. No, we're not. Um, sorry, Colin. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, Colin. Um, yeah, yeah, Jings. Let's let's get on to you all. Uh, yeah, sorry, distracted, distracted. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad to get it. <laughs> um, tell tell us about yourself, Holly. Tell us about about your background. Um, what was what was a young Holly wanting to do when she was older? <clears throat> um. So what did I want to do when I was younger? Yeah, let's go with that. Yeah. Yeah, let's go with that. Okay, so, well, when I was younger, I wanted to be a paleontologist. Um, that's what I really wanted to do. But then, obviously, somewhere along the way, I um, really got interested in science and I love animals. Um, so basically, I decided I wanted to become a vet. And that was my path then um, that I chose. Um, so, yeah, I became a vet and I worked for about, eight and a half years um, before having uh, my first child. And then, yeah, I had Abel and had my maternity leave all set, ready to go back to work. And then did a bit of a U-turn and realised I wasn't quite ready to go back. He wasn't ready to go into nursery or anything. So um, I took a bit of a step back and then I um, started getting more involved um, working on the farm that my husband manages and we've got a second kid now as well so basically I work on the farm with the kids on in tow and yeah part-time work on the farm and then yeah full-time mum and then at some point I will go back to veterinary but I'm not putting pressure on myself to say the date I they still kind of ask me when I see them when are you coming back and now it's been a few years but I will get back to it at some point so that's in a nutshell my background <laughs> it's nice to be able to a lot of parents i guess probably aren't able to do the seeing the young stages of their kids so it's nice to take that yeah. chat and take that opportunity um Absolutely. yeah definitely i'm going to try and put myself out here i'm going to see if i can do this is paleontology this could be so bad i could be so wrong but i have a <laughs> tiny tiny little thing in my head saying it's something to do with fossils yeah 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 I was obsessed with like fossils dinosaurs I actually this is very sad but I actually used to go to an archaeology club um, when I was little with my dad (laughs) that's the cutest little thing (laughs) it's really sad and we used to actually go on archaeological digs yeah um where I used to go to quarries and yeah and dig up stuff and find fossils and stuff that's really sad I I didn't admit that but yeah no I did really enjoy it Yes, yeah. So that's a little snippet. <laughs> were you the were you the sort of guiding force in that, or was it your dad? Uh, probably both of us, to be honest. Um, yeah, no, I I enjoyed that, and I still like we go down now to. Um, it's not really good fossil 
beaches where we are now in Devon, but um, every now and again, and we take the kids down to like the Dorset coastline and go fossil yeah. hunting still, and they enjoy it as well. So <laughs> this is how this always goes. You 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 hit record. I, you're talking, I know suddenly you're talking about something that is just not expected. <laughs> What what makes a good fossil beach? Is that just there's fossils there, or is there is there some kind of landscape, some kind of geology that means that's good? I think it's the geology. Um, yeah, so like this this is where I probably like probably not as knowledgeable as I could be, but it, I think it's the sediment of rock and the way that the rocks are formed as to whether they actually get preserved, basically. Yeah, so the Jurassic Coast, Dorset, um, that's well known for having lots of fossils. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going way in too much into depth into this now. I, you, I, I love this, I love this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you, you obviously didn't end up going into paleo- paleontology, but how... How far? Like, was was this a school wish, or did you pursue oh, this? This was, yeah, like a school kid wish, and then, but even in at primary school, I at some point later on, like, decided I wanted to be a vet. So maybe someone guided me and said, "Well, maybe this might be something for you." I don't know, but anyway, I stuck at it, and yeah. So it was, yeah, primary school. I decided I wanted to be a vet. Um. So yeah, I did it. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. The, you know, I'm going to give you one more thing. You might this might be of interest. It might not at all. Um. So, Aaron, where I was walking around the place, yeah. from, if you if you don't know where it is, if you look at a map of Scotland, it is the most southerly island. <clears throat> yeah. On the west coast. Uh, there's three big dinosaur imprints. Serious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like. I don't know if it's just random, you know, sea erosion that's caused it, but oh, okay, they look they look pretty real. <laughs> I was like, is this fact, or is this like I'm really like planning a, a trip to go to? Well, I mean, everyone says they are. But I just yeah. like to believe it. Yeah, it's a nice thing to believe, isn't it? As a kid, like if you're growing up there, that would be so awesome. Oh my god, my boy, like my. Yeah, five year old, he would think that was amazing. Yeah, it would be pretty cool to take the wee ones, be like the dinosaur uh, imprint of Aaron. Um, yeah, once we finish recording, I'll find you a couple of photos and I'm sure you'll look at it and go, Well, that's clearly fake, Wallace. Uh, I, I was I was brought up excited about it. <laughs> oh, no, that's cute, that's cute. And I'm no expert in fossils, so I'd be like, Yeah, that, I, I believe it. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, that, 125 episodes, and that is the first mention, I believe, of fossils. That's that's pretty good. Going. <laughs> not at all i love i love when that things like that happen i love it just random things pop up um, so you then decided veterinary was was for you and uh, was it was it large animal veterinary or was it uh, any form of veterinary you were interested in yeah it's a mix so basically so yeah i loved um farm animal um work and um small animals so like cats and dogs so um, I worked on farms, started working on farms on the, from the age of about 15. And I was kind of torn, like, do I go down the agricultural route um, or do I stick with veterinary? But I also really like the small animal aspect of veterinary where you can do more investigations. And I did some extra qualifications in small animal medicine. So I quite like the combination of both where you're, as a farm vet, you're kind of more involved in the business and the economics and making that work but then I've kind of got the small animal vet head that can help with the individual cow medicine and stuff like that so yeah I look basically that was yeah my two kind of areas um and I enjoyed the equine stuff but I kind of realized that you end up spreading yourself a bit well I ended up spreading myself a bit too thin so I was like that was enough you know for me but yeah so it's no yeah, nice balance yeah. And I've I've had loads of vets on. I find veterinary very interesting as someone that can barely tell you the difference between a hoof and a tongue. But uh, it's just the the process of getting there. I th- I'm trying to think when the last vet we had on. I think it was John Hamilton, 108. Um, I think that was the last one. So a couple of months ago, a really good friend of mine. But I ask everyone, and everyone listening that listens to every podcast that I put out is probably thinking, well. He's mentioned they're a vet. I know what he's going to ask them, but I'm going to ask anyway. Can you tell us about the process of becoming a vet? Because it's not just, I want to be a vet. It's it's a thing, you know, like I'm a lecturer and I didn't say I want to be a lecturer and get into it. But if I had, I could have left with a degree and then been like, I want to be a lecturer. 
When you yeah. say I want to be a vet, most commonly, it's you're making that decision at 14, 15. Yeah. So yeah, tell us about that process from sort of start to, to finally graduating because it's it's a long process and I'm sure a lot of an emotional process as well. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so basically, yeah, no, you're quite right because you've got to kind of set yourself up because it's such a, well, when I um, went into it, um, such competitive thing to get into, they really do have to focus on the grades as well, which there's always this argument of, it's a shame that they put such a weighting on the grades because they probably do lose a lot of potentially really good people that would be great for the profession. Um, but yeah, there's a heavy weighting on grades. So yeah, basically from GCSEs, you've got to, you know, get the right, um, uh, yeah, get the right um, grades. So they're looking at basically, you know, a, a sweep of A's, A stars. I know that they've changed the grading now. That just shows how old I am. Uh, but, but for me, it was, yeah, you've got to be a straight A student as it were, or a straight A star student. And then, yeah, setting up your A levels. Um, so for me, I did biology, chemistry and physics um, for A level. Um, and yeah, and again, they're looking for you know, a sweep of, again, A's, although now it's, again, different grades. Um, but during that as well, not only have you got that pressure to, like, focus on the grades, but they're also looking about, you know, do you know the industry? Do you know the wider industry? So, I mean, from the age, so I mentioned from the age of 15, I was, like, literally, like, you know, any local farm knocking their door, answering to like um work ads and stuff and just being like can I come and work and most of it was voluntary um yeah voluntary work um but yeah I worked on a beef and sheep farm so did like lambing carvings um and worked on a water buffalo farm and that was a that was cool um and they were so for dairy but they had like so we used to do open days and we used to take them to the local shows um that was yeah so that was really cool and yeah they used to sell their meat and they had a processing unit so we used to do ice cream buff um, buffalo mozzarella um so yeah they to get into uni they're looking that you've you know the wider industry you know what it's all about and I worked as a volunteer in my vet local vet practice as well from about the age of 15 so any spare time and it was it was really important actually I worked um, and I don't know if everyone does this, but I worked as a receptionist. I worked supporting the nurses, um, the kennel team and the vets as well. So that was really good. That was a really good grounding because it meant I knew like the perspective from the whole team. So you're not just coming in like as an you know individual thinking that your role is the most important or anything because everyone's role is important. But I've been there, you know, like scrubbing the kennels I've been there answering the phones so you can kind of get that perspective so yeah you build up whilst I was at school so GCSE A level I was building up all that kind of background and experience and just yeah working wherever I could charities I worked for hearing dogs for deaf people um, volunteered at a zoo Whipsnade Zoo that was local to me um, so yeah just grabbed as much work experience as I could um, and then yeah, applied um, during sixth form to, so at the time there wasn't as many vet practices, again, show my age, um, even Nottingham, uh, I think the first year that I was at Bristol, did Nottingham start? Maybe. Um, but Nottingham wasn't an option for me. Um, so um, yeah, so I went to Bristol. So I um, applied to a few places, got into London and Bristol, but I'd always wanted to go to Bristol, probably because of Southwest, there being more dairy, um, farms that was a special interest of mine so uh, yeah and then the interview process that was quite grueling like you had to be very up with like current affairs as well so you're in the midst of like studying for your A-levels and but then also they kind of want you to know more again about farming and the veterinary world so like just reading up as much as you could really um, and yeah and then yeah you got through the interview process and lucky I got a place and and then yeah once you're at uni then you kind of feel a bit it was a there was a moment where you kind of relax a bit because yeah. you kind of you've worked all that way through and then suddenly you're like wow I'm actually here um so you did kind of relax a bit and yeah first first year 
I did work hard as well, but you're going to go a little bit wild um, because you, yeah, make the most of the experience. Um, But then it's, yeah, then, I mean, in holidays, my first two years um, at vet school, I did have time to get like um, a job as well, but summer job, but then it just gets really intense, like getting all your work experience. Then you, yeah, you have to take the box with specific hours in vet practices and different farms and working go and um see abattoirs and yeah again building that experience of the wider um industry so yeah and then it was five years for me at uni and it was pretty intense I think maybe second year was probably the most intense and fourth year um by fifth year I think you feel like you've put the hard work in so you feel like you're starting to know it more so actually I was probably the most relaxed I've ever been for exams as I entered my finals like crazily but I think because you've got that point where you think yeah I've put this (laughs) work in and then yeah and then I was yeah then I graduated yeah so graduated in 2009 um from Bristol um and that's kind of the process and then it's obviously then getting a job as well um but I was I was lucky enough to get a job um, in Somerset on a on a great yeah in a great practice mixed practice um, with a great bunch of people that um, I learned a lot from as well. So yeah, and I was I was lucky. But yeah, that's is that okay? That's kind of yeah. That was, that was brilliant. I love to hear it. I would just like to quickly interrupt the show for a minute to give you some extra information on our primary sponsors, A Plan Rural. A Plan offer bespoke cover for farms and estates the UK over. And we'll give you tailored insurance for anything on the farm from your old workhorse tractor that's been around 20 years or a fancy new and exciting diversification. And I think that John said the exact same thing about first year. I think John was someone that, and maybe that's the same with you, that yes, worked to get the grades he required at school, but also kind of just got them as well. Uh, and he sort of got there and he was like, it's done. <laughs> it's just yeah. starting. It's absolutely just starting. Um, the I I didn't do a, a veterinary degree, obviously, but I did a master's, so I had five years. And five year, the fifth year was a breeze, um, yeah. genuinely. And I, I think you're right. You're just so conditioned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're ready, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. I mean, like I've, I've done like, a, I did like a sort of master's level qualification in teaching when I'm teaching, when I'm teaching students how to be academic, all this sort of thing. Losing my mind, I'm like, I don't know how to do this anymore. But when you're doing the Masters, you've just, you've been five years, you're just bang, 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 so used to it. That's quite quite interesting to hear that that's the same. Um, You mentioned right at the start, Holly, about some people maybe think you're losing folk that, that would be good for the sector because they're not getting the school grades do you think that's a thing that'll change and and do you agree with that do you agree that that is the case yeah I mean to be honest I mean I'm a bit out of touch with the the process of getting in at the moment so I can't say you know maybe it is different now as to when I went so yeah to be fair to admissions and stuff um maybe they do look at it differently but I do know that Whenever I speak to people, like there's a lot of people, quite a common thread. Lots of people be like, oh, I wanted to be a vet, but I didn't get the grades. Or I wanted to be a vet, but I didn't work hard enough at school. And it is it's, it's quite common. It seems like lots of people like, like the idea of it. And whether they were put off by the fact that you had to get the grades, I don't know. But I mean, obviously, there has to be a level, you know, you've got to have a a level there to be able to take on board all all of the information that you've got to learn but I think there are other skills and the big one for veterinary it's more about which I think again lots of people say oh I love animals I want to be a vet but actually it's about people it's about being able to communicate with people and there's probably a lot of people that would be great caring and but maybe they just didn't think it was for them or they were put off for whatever reason so yeah I don't know how it is now um honestly but I imagine it's still pretty competitive from what I hear so it would be I don't know how you get around it though but um yeah maybe kind of I know that some of the vet schools so when I went um London for example they didn't uh they were their offers were like I think it was two A's and a B. So they were a bit more lenient than some of the others, which were like, no, just three A's, that's it kind of thing. So, 
I guess that would show that some of them were probably opening up that idea of, yeah, we want the person rather than the grade package. Yeah. I think, I think from what I understand up in Scotland, there, there's been two options until this year. Um, you know, Glasgow and Edinburgh, your only options. And then now you have Aberdeen, <coughs> which is actually run by, by the company I lecture for. Um, I will not be lecturing on to a vet course. Uh, don't worry, future vets. Um, but uh, I think there seems to be some what of a, a, a divide, maybe, in, in the sort of vet community where they're like, Glasgow and Edinburgh had Cisco at this, this level and it wants to keep that level. But there was a lot of, like you're saying, people that would have been fantastic that are just not quite there, missing out. Um, and and I assume Aberdeen's, I would call it price penetration, but it's not that, just just sort of market penetration tactic as we are accepting slightly lower. And there's there's quite a divide. There's like brilliant, we're getting more people. And there's um, no, we're, we're losing that level. It's, it's really interesting. I asked most Scottish vets that I have on what they think. Um, yeah very much a, a divisive one which is quite interesting but well hopefully that's a good sign then isn't it yeah. and I'm sure because there's so many more that have opened up in, in England as well then I imagine that's probably the same um because I think there are other universities that do open up a slightly l- lower offer which would be good because yeah it'd be nice to get a bit of a spectrum I guess of characters rather than just focusing on the grades yeah it is as if I, I mean, listening to what you'd done there to get your grades, it wasn't well, not just to get your grades to get in. It, there's the studying to get the grades at school. Fine, I, we've said grades so much, the word doesn't feel right anymore. Um, mm. and then, uh, on top of that, you're, you're, you're giving up most of your weekends, a fair chunk of your holidays, to oh, yeah. gain experience and whatnot. And that, that's a massive undertaking for a teenager. Um, but uh, fair play to you, fair play to you for getting through it. Um, Tell us about your first practice. It's, it's a nice, a nice moment to come through. <laughs> the, the job hunt is the worst thing on the planet. Students yeah. ask me, they're like, "Tips for the job hunt," and I'm like, "Just try not to hate yourself." It's the worst thing. I hate that it's like that. I, I must have put in about a hundred applications, and the job I ended up getting, I didn't even apply for. You know, like, <laughs> um, it's 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 a long process. So tell us, tell us about that first practice. A sort of a really nice. Nice moment, I guess. And you said it was a nice practice as well. Yeah. So I've gone for a few job interviews. Some I got, some I hadn't got the offers for. But I think, yeah, this this practice was, yeah, I mean, it's special. It's still, you know, your first practice is quite a big one. And I think um, I always say, like, if I have speak to, like, people doing it now or, or have it so in the past, I always kind of think, you will hold out for that kind of moment because you know you know you feel that it's right and um and it's not always about kind of them interviewing just you it's like it's got to be right for you as well and I think I kind of luckily I realized that um after having done a few interviews because you're so desperate just to get a job and please these people and then suddenly I was at this practice thinking wow yeah like they're selling it to me and yeah you know it's kind of it kind of worked both ways but um yeah it's just yeah so the practice um that I worked at was in Somerset um in Glastonbury um so it's just on the moor um like on the levels and it was just a really fun place to be and at the time when I first started there was a lot of um similar age people so we were kind of at the same stage in life so um it was, it was supportive and we had a lot of fun and I've still got some really good friends from from that practice um but they gave you like the the freedom um you know to they weren't it wasn't kind of smothering as well they did you know respect to it, even though I was just a new grad they gave me the freedom to kind of you know do stuff and you know within my limits obviously um so it wasn't controlling either but um yeah it was just a yeah it was a fun place to be and also well at that point I should mention as well yeah that practice I did the it was the classic vet um farmer thing but that's basically where I met my husband through um working yeah. at, that, <laughs> at that practice so I was one of the vets that worked um on the dairy farm that he managed there at the time so um yeah and I was so worried about like stepping over that professional line and um it turned out I remember sheepishly going up to our manager going oh um yeah Adam's asked me out on a date and they were (laughs) 
were like, you you do realize we've been like trying to set you up for like, you know, like ages. And they were like, because I kept getting whenever there was like cool, I was like, oh, Holly, you can go and do that. Like, oh, another op, go and do that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, one of my one of the, my friends, um, good friends, who was a receptionist there at the time, she was in on it as well. And she was like, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was fine. They were fine about it. So, yeah. I love that. I love that. <laughs> Why is Adam calling out the vet for nothing again? <laughs> well, I have to say, actually, he did have he did have a really awkward one, actually, because with Adam, so um, it was always um, at work. It was kind of known that if you got called out um, by Adam at the farm, you knew it was. So, say it was a carving, you knew it was just going to be a cesarean. You knew it was going to be something really hard um, yeah. because if Adam called you, yeah, it was something that stepped over into that vet that line you know very specific vet line um so he called me out it was on sunday this is where it kind of developed i guess and um yeah and he called me out one sunday and he had this sick cow and he was like and they'd had a, a bout of like um strange disease like strange things happening with some of the cows so i think he was just being cautious but i came out and looked at this cow and i just kind of gave her the little nudge you know to see whether she'd get up she literally got up and then walked over to the water trough, drank, then walked over, ate some food, then she dunged, and then she just like walked off. And then it was like, oh, and he was so embarrassed because like he never ever got anything like that. And then I examined her, I couldn't find anything wrong. And to this day, he's like still embarrassed about it because he's like, uh, yeah, she, I'm sure she wasn't right. But I think he was being overcautious, but everyone was like, oh, he's just calling you out, was he? To get your- <laughs> But no, he maintained he was just being cautious, just being cautious. <laughs> well, Adam, if you're listening, it's good to hear that you're a cautious farmer. I appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not at all trying to see the vet one more time that week. Um that's nice. I like that's a that's a nice story. It's do you know, I, I mentioned right at the start, Holly. It's it's interesting, you know, we started talking about paleontology and um yeah. you turn on you hit record and you can go into the most random topics. Um, but one thing that I must have covered with so many folk is how they've met their partner. And there is some brilliant stories out there. Oh, like, yeah. That's a good one. Though. That's a good one. That's up there. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm needing a vet, but I don't think the other one will work too well. I think Holly might know what she's doing better. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so how long How long were you, were you practicing for, Holly? Because you're not practicing at the minute. No, so it was about, it was eight, eight and a half years in total. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so we moved, so we're in South Devon now. So we moved 20, beginning of 2017. So I worked just under a year, at um, just small animal practice um, when I came down. Um, and then, yeah, I had my eldest son and then, yeah, then put it on hold for a bit. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. How long do you think it's on hold? Uh, I think probably, so my youngest is, uh, he's only 18 months. So I guess once he's in preschool or school, then yeah, then I'll do a bit. But I still want to stay doing farm stuff as well. I I think, I know this is, I mean, I was talking to my husband about it the other day. And actually, I mean, it's probably just the nature that I worked. But when I went on maternity with um, Abel, I was like, oh, this is what it feels like not to be stressed. And I think because of the nature, maybe like I say, maybe it's the nature of how I work, but certainly, you know, busy practices. Um, and I guess I'd kind of worked up the ranks. I was doing a lot of medicine cases and they're quite intense. Um, but yeah, it got quite stressful as well. So um, yeah, I don't think I'd ever go back to full time. I think it would be, I just, I know that the way that I worked as a vet, I was all in, you know, I'd be reading up every night. I'd be thinking about cases like, you know, oh, maybe I could do this. And like, I, I struggled to leave it at the vet practice. I always brought, case, you know, thought about cases at home. So I think I want to focus on family life as well. So it's kind of like, I think to do it, to do them well, I think it's it would be a balance between everything now. But yeah. So the the, the main basis of your social media is the farm. Tell us yeah. tell us a bit about the farm. Yeah, so um so it's an organic um dairy farm. There's uh seven hundred cows um in the milking herd. Um so it's spring block carving and we aim to keep them outside as long as possible so it's just in the winter months when the weather's bad that they're in maybe for a month or two um 
but yeah, springbok carving. And then basically my role on the farm is that I rear all the um, replacement hef- dairy heifer calves. Um, so that was kind of my, I'd love to, I mean, I put all the protocols in place and everything for the whole kind of calf rearing, but, and I'd love to do more, but because I've got the kids with me and stuff, then my capacity is kind of up to about 200 calves that I rear each spring and then take them through to a year old. And then I, do the process again so um yeah so i'm doing the calves and um yeah we kiwi cross cows are the breed um so that yeah so we're frisian cross um jersey um so yeah we're looking at getting the capacity for um getting um turning the forage into milk um and then the jersey element um for the milk solids um, and because we're quite a long linear farm, a coastal farm, um, they do quite a bit of walking. So we look for good feet as well. So that's kind of the the breeding that suits us. Um, so, yeah, my husband manages the farm and we've got a team here um, as well. So I'm a small cog in the, the big <laughs> wheel process of the, the farm. Makes sense. Um, <laughs> why spring? Why spring farming? So spring carving, so we, I mean, so me and my husband both agree on this kind of thing. Like we we like the kind of the natural cycle and it's basically matching. So as the grass growth um, increases um, and then you're looking for the production increase. So we kind of see like that the requirement of the cow matches the quality and the growth of the grass, if that makes sense. And to put it in a simple term and because we're, um, on the south coast here um, and with the general way that the grass grows um, we are it's very early spring carving so we're February basically so it's um, so the traditional yeah so sometimes people are like oh is that not winter carving but it, it matches um, what we see with the grass growth but um, yeah so that's the idea really. Is it um, is it conventional parlour or is it robot rotary what you've uh, so it's a four, uh, 4896 herringbone yeah so a long 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 parlor yeah so yeah like I'm... the farm the parlor is long as well <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's long um yeah they milk in about i think it's about about two and a half hours two and a half um, hours or so yeah um I have to say, yeah, I've only been, I only help, like, occasionally help in the parlour um, if my husband's milking, but because of the kids, like, it's not really safe for me to milk at the moment with them in, in tow. Like, Abel is basically at the height where the cow's feet are now. So, like, yeah, so we just go and visit when Adam's milking, but, um, yeah. Is the it team- three kids you've got? Uh, two kids. Two, two kids. kids. Yeah, I can, I can yeah. pick up, yeah. Yeah, sorry, Abel and Casey, yeah. Yeah, five-year-old and eighteen months. Yeah, <laughs> sure. I'm sure they keep you on your toes as well as having to look after after the two hundred calves or two hundred heifers as well. Yeah, although actually, I have to say they like Abel is getting really handy now. Like, so he can his he helps me pick. Uh, Casey tries to help me do the fencing, yeah. but Abel will like he'll go and pick up posts or he'll start taking the reel out or you know if we're moving calves like if, if there's always you know like one that escapes or anything or gates you know he's always there to help so yeah he's yeah he's getting quite handy now I miss him when he's at school and he's like oh I'm gonna have to go and open the gates myself now <laughs> or yeah if a calf escapes then I'm a bit stuck yeah but able, no he, he's able is getting quite able <laughs> yeah exactly that is true <laughs> um all those other things yeah is, is an owned or a tenanted uh, farm so it's owned. So um, yeah, the owners um, they live like one end of the farm, and then we're at the other. So yeah, Jeff Sayers um, and Zoe are the farm owners. Yeah, um, and they own a few farms, and they own this farm, and then um, they've got a group, a cluster of them in um, Cornwall as well, which Adam also manages. So he's quite busy <laughs> doing that. So Adam's managing the farm. Is that? Yeah, so Adam managed it. Yeah, yeah, for the sayers. Yeah, so it's kind of one of those scenarios where, yeah, it's not ours, but you, you know, you treat it like sure. they are yours, you know, because that's the only way to do it, really. Um, so, yeah, throw yourself into it. But, yeah. Yeah, are the owners actively involved, or is it is just you guys are in charge? Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, Jeff's um pretty involved in the sense that he'll he'll have regular meeting, like weekly meetings with Adam. So he knows like Adam will come with all the facts and the figures. And obviously, is that if there's anything 
big that needs deciding. Um, Jeff's involved, but yeah, he's got good trust in Adam to kind of the day-to-day running and, you know, like the sundries, the vet bills, you know, like the vet um, protocol, like all of our protocols and stuff, you know, it's all kind of done, managed by Adam, but yeah, it's kind of, they, yeah, they've got good team, um, yeah, teamwork really. And uh, why, why, I'm guessing this hasn't, hasn't been you guys' choice, I assume this will be the owners, but why organic? Yeah, so I think so. It was organic when we um, came down. I think it's the, I guess the, um, the concept of it with, um, yeah, environmentally, I'd say, and uh, like the owner is very into his conservation, and we agree. I mean, um, trying to keep things as natural as possible, and we do say this because obviously, milk price and organic, you know, it's not what it used to be um but i still think the concepts of how you farm with organic they you know that it's a good way um to farm um i would say um so yeah it's yeah it wasn't our choice but it's certainly not something that we're against if that makes sense yeah over the summer um as as a lecturer, I turn off from everything. I don't check. I normally I look at market reports and sort of pricing throughout the throughout the year. But it's somewhere I'm just like I just want to look away for six weeks. Um, oh, I understand. Yeah, is milk pricing a good spot? I've got a feeling it's not. No, it's not great. I mean, I have to admit that if you ask me the exact price, I wouldn't. Yeah, sure. yeah, that's yeah, that's um, yeah. I'm not a hundred percent up to date. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's definitely not what it was. Um, but um, yeah, I suppose yeah. There's all I think farming comes under all sorts of pressures, doesn't it? And I think across the board, like everyone's seen, like everything's kind of being tightened up in so many ways, or and costs increasing. But um, yeah, I think Adam, the way that he farms it and manages it, he's very much he loves his data, so he's kind of always trying to he's on top of it if that makes sense so trying to make it as yeah he makes it a profitable business despite you know despite the challenges I think he quite likes the challenge to be honest <laughs> it pushes him yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I, I'm just it's I'm kind of blown away by the size of the farm was it seven, 700 and something milk 700 and cows yeah yeah 700 cows and then yeah, so then I've got this year, I've got just on well, it's about 175 dairy replacements. So it varies a bit year on year. And then our twos, I think we've got about 150, 160 at the moment. Yeah. So yeah, I think my biggest year was 2021 and I had just under 200 heifers. So yeah, it's not far off um, a thousand you know, animals um, in total. It's first calving two years or a bit older? Sorry? What age is first calving? Uh, two years, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's the plan. We try and, um, so with um, the heifers, we try and get them at the front of the calving block. Um, so, yeah, to mean that then pretty much they are two years old when they calve down, yeah. It's it's interesting you said, you know, um, it's quite a linear farm, I think was your words, and, and you chose chose the cattle on the basis of feet was a big a big choice yeah. um, and it was freezing across jersey wasn't it yes yeah it's 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 interesting you say that because um that there's a farm up here <clears throat> that's got a lot of walking uh, and and they've got the exact same breed uh, oh, okay. interesting. Uh, yeah as, as, that's exactly what i thought i thought it was quite interesting a farm lynn's farm it's a place that i've been to uh, the the university i teach at takes our second year students as part of a grass management course uh, at module sorry and I went as a student and now I've been as a lecturer and that's, oh. that's the route they've went down four feet is is, is a main reason as to yeah. why do you know um Sophie Applin Gregory I don't yeah, know yeah 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 I, I yeah. do know that yeah and um so Tom actually her husband he used to foot trim at the farm that Adam and I met on so yeah we do know of them yeah yeah, just it sounds like you're quite close. I could be wrong, but it sounds close. Yeah, they're not too far away, but um, yeah, I think they're Dorset, they Dorset border. I've never actually been to a farm, but yeah, we message on like Instagram and stuff. That's the beauty of Instagram, isn't it? You meet all these um, like-minded people, but um, yeah. 
it's uh, you meet you meet honestly you meet amazing folk and on yeah. social media and i think folks sort of take the mick out of social media but they're like all like internet friends you know but there's some fantastic friends out there that have purely yeah yeah no i think because like during i got into it um during lockdown like i think a lot of people did because suddenly you know it widens your community doesn't it um but also because we're not from the farming community here um, we're not locals it takes so much longer to you know get to know people so it's quite nice having this community online and actually you know i chat to people that are in new zealand you know chat to people that are in america you know all over the place um and it does it is nice but i have more recently i've met um more people that i've been chatting to for like almost years on instagram like i've met up with a few people recently and you're like this is really cool and it's always a relief actually when they're just as nice as you thought they were you know on like um on social media and you're like oh yeah it's yeah it's nice but yeah there's a lot of positives i think to social media definitely yeah it can be used for bad but everything can Uh, there's there's a lot of positives um just just from a glance <clears throat> at, at your instagram um holly uh you're a brand ambassador for a couple of is it yellow wellies and pasture tech um, yeah. what does that involve uh so yeah so with yellow wellies um they're so they're the um charity they've just done their farm safety week actually so um that's kind of their initiative where they raise awareness for farm safety but also they do a big um initiative for mind your head um for talking about mental health um so yeah i'm a big supporter of talking about mental health in general um and that's why um yeah i joined them as an ambassador um really and because their farm safety um obviously two massive and massively important topics in the ag world i think having come from veterinary but also now in the ag world as well i think i think most people can mention people that they know that have suffered very badly with their mental health um but it's a spectrum and i think you know even myself i can say you know i've been stressed i mentioned that like when I came, stopped working as a vet, I suddenly thought, oh, I'm not stressed anymore. But, you know, I've experienced stress in the farming world. I've experienced stress in the veterinary world. And I think, yeah, so I think they're an important charity to support, really, because they do do a lot of good work. And um, there's a lot of work that still needs to be done. But when I was a vet at vet school, no one really, you know, if you were stressed, it was almost like a weakness. Like, I'm sure I did have periods of anxiety like around exam time but you know no one really talked about it and I chat to a few vet students now on Instagram and I think they're doing amazing work like raising awareness and stuff sorry I've gone on like a major tangent Um, but um yeah so yeah and I did do um RABI as well I mean they're another good um charity uh, farming charity I did their mental health um first aid training um Yeah, so I think, yeah, that Yellow Wellies, RBI, they're great um, charities. And then, yeah, Pass Check, that's a recent one that um, I was invited as a brand ambassador. So just starting off, yeah, with them. And um, that's involved, like so far, they've sent me um, some things to trial out. Um, and actually, I haven't posted anything yet because I was really impressed with it. It wasn't a matter of like, oh, just can you wear this or post about this yeah. and we'll try and flog it, you know? Um, so actually so far it's just been behind the scenes. I've been chatting um, with Rob who um, runs the company and yeah, he sent me like some stuff to try and actually it's looking like one of the products I'm trying, they probably won't push. And he's just like, yeah, thanks. I always feel like, Oh, like you want to like, yeah, it's amazing. But actually he's like, yeah, no, I agree with you. I don't think it's quite right. And they just want to, they don't want to be flogging stuff that's not actually a good product. So I was quite impressed by that. Um, so yeah, so we'll see. That's, that's in the infancy at the moment, but yeah. yeah. I like that outlook a lot. <clears throat> I like that a lot. Um, if if you are listening to the podcast at the minute and uh, you want to hear a bit more about Yellow Wellies, we've cr- probably got a bit of an outdated episode in fairness episode 13 <laughs> was uh with stephanie berkeley who is who's oh, in charge okay. yeah and it's one of those ones that i've never had someone on twice well i've had people on twice and that they might have been on with a different company or whatever but um, uh, an individual on twice and i think maybe something like that i'd quite like to get a farm safety foundation 
maybe even to do like a yearly update uh, with yeah. with what I understand it's three girls that are behind it, uh, Sophie, Megan and Stephanie. Um, but yeah, if you do want to go listen to that, things won't have changed too much, uh, episode 13. Um, I hope you've kicked your feet up and got comfy and enjoying another fantastic episode of the R2 cast with another really interesting guest. I would just like to quickly take another second to plug the sponsors of the show today, The Scottish Farmer, and I would strongly advise you to go out and pick one up this week and see even more of the fantastic people that are in our industry. I was, yeah, you'd mentioned about there's some there's some vet students talking about uh, mental health and stuff. Did you follow Heidi, like the CrossFit? Yeah, yeah she, I, think, I was thinking about, yeah, yeah, she's brilliant, yeah. She, so she's coming on the pod soon. Oh, she uh, Yeah, so um, we've, we've been to and fro and she's been busy, I've been busy. We plan on filming at the end of August though, so uh, yeah. Oh, cool, uh, that'd be a good one, yeah. Well, she's she's an inspiration, man. She's class. Um, uh, really, really looking forward to that episode. Um, you've obviously sort of found yourself, Holly, uh, training as a vet, practicing as a vet, and then and then coming out um, uh, as as you became a mum for for now. Anyway, I, I take it you're still able to be involved on the farm. Though. You can still get that veterinary outlet. I take it, or are you yeah. not as a vet on the farm? No, well, it, like I. There's certain things I can do, but obviously, um, as I'm not like practicing like with a practice, then like legally, there's some stuff you can't do. So like I wouldn't. So although I can quite happily do like a cesarean or something like that, I wouldn't because um, I, I guess I'd have to like register as my own official vet practice or something like that. Just like yeah. So we we work. Um, there's a, a great vet practice that um do the the vet work but I mean as a result like if there's any you know any sick cows um any there's a lot I can do where I can examine you know with a stethoscope thermometer my hands my ears my eyes you know and work out within the realms of what's allowed on farm then I can provide a lot which is nice like um so yeah like for example the other day there was a cow that um I think well I suspect she had a heart murmur and her like jugular pulses were going and she was not like she got left behind with the herd because she couldn't walk because she was basically her heart wasn't great but I'm assuming it was an infection of the heart valve because she did respond to um, treatment as if it was an infection but that was quite cool like to be able to you know use my skills and actually save a cow and she's back in the herd now she's fine and she's doing really well so that's cool and yeah, and I always loved um, the calf aspect, like calf health um, as a vet, because um, obviously they're such an important, you know, the the future of the herd. And I always felt sometimes they get a bit overlooked. And I think some people seem to be the, you know, they're really into their milking cows, and then some people seem to be really into their calves. Like I'm more, I love the cows, but I'm very much, I'm passionate about the calves. Um, so when I took on the calves. Um, they had like a, a 70, so they'd always been doing it year on year, all the same way doing the calves. And there was like a 70%, my first year doing it, how it had been done, there was like a 70% treatment rate for pneumonia. I think I got like a 5%, 6% uh, mortality rate, um, which was low compared to like the treatment, but still it, in my mind, it wasn't, you know, good enough. Um, but then year on year, I've kind of tweaked things like from what I know as a vet brought that in like looking at the housing looking at the management and done like yeah loads of tweaks um to the protocols and stuff and how I do things and like this year I had literally didn't have to do treat anything for pneumonia um didn't have any deaths um from it and haven't vaccinated so to me it was kind of like a little it was like a little um it was good it was good to like use my veterinary skills to know that actually I was making a big difference to the farm and the health of those animals and how they will be how they'll perform in years to come but without actually having to spend that much and people always say oh you know vets they just want to flog a vaccine they want to flog a drug and actually for me like it was kind of proving the point that actually vaccines not all vaccines but sometimes in this scenario vaccines would have just been like a sticking plaster they wouldn't have actually been dealing with the underlying problem so that was quite satisfying really so yeah so I do get to use a bit of veterinary yeah. within the farm world yeah I, I like that I mean even even looking at life personally like I 
but I've obviously had somewhat of an incident in the last few days. Uh, yeah. I hate the idea of medication. Like, and maybe as a vet or maybe doctors listening are thinking, oh my God, but I just, I don't like it. I want to avoid it at all costs. I want to avoid these sort of things where possible. And I think looking at sort of homeopathic or, or natural methods or just environmental changes like you've clearly done mm. um, is, is, is there's massive merits to. Um, I think... Uh, the way I've always seen, and I try to explain to my students about, you know, like you said, a lot of people, I'd probably say more people are, are milk and cow focused because that's where your money is. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're, that's where your money is and, and that makes sense. But the way I see it is, is they see a calf loss is, oh, it doesn't matter. It's not a cow, you know, whatever. The way I try and explain it is, and I had a chef on, and I was actually his best man, um, on the podcast recently <clears throat> and he put it that you know you you can buy a haddock for i don't know insert number two pounds say um but ruining that haddock isn't a loss of the two pounds it's a loss of the potential 16 pounds you could sell it as a haddock and chips for and that's the way i see it with calves like maybe it's not an expensive thing currently but you're losing a, a potential massive economic loss uh, so yeah no i i rate that hugely um it's it's quite cool. I, I don't know. I don't think I've had many folk on. I'm just trying to rack my brains that have had um, pretty much no farm experience younger or very little farm experience younger, obviously, moving into veterinary and then now on the farm. Um, it's it's quite a niche, isn't the word. I just don't think I've had many folk in that position. Um, so but, uh, class, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I guess, I guess the question I'm trying to lead up to is you've sort of learned farming from a veterinary perspective. What's yeah. it like moving into farming from a farming perspective with that vet knowledge? Is, is it how you learn it in vet school or is it a completely different world? Yeah, so it is. Yeah, no, it's a good question. So basically as a vet, again, it might be different now, but you're very much, you know, you're focused on the health, um, certainly of how the individual animals work, but then moving it into like the wider economics of how can you make a profitable herd and, you know, prof like for the um, for the farmer. But it's very, I mean, it was always very much done on that, how the animal functions, if that makes sense. But there was very little, certainly in my day, and um, that makes me sound old, but I'm not that old. Relatively. Um but yeah, there's a lot, there's not that much on um the other aspects of running a business. Um so really I've learned that through talking with my husband and then like going to meetings and like and attending like um yeah discussion groups that aren't like veterinary focused if that makes sense um but yeah you don't um you don't get the whole as a as a vet with your training you don't get a whole picture um of the farm um well certainly i didn't but then i guess that's the whole purpose of doing the the out and seeing like seeing practice and getting the experience and certainly what i saw when i was um working as a farm worker on farms which you know that does go in your favor for getting into vet school and stuff so yeah it's not specifically in the teaching but yeah you almost i kind of think because I know certainly my because we've chatted about it a lot with my husband. So I think in America they do it different, like almost like your farm managers are your vets. My understanding is, I think. Um, so I think, like, yeah, you almost could do with like a bit of like ag school training within the veterinary world if you were focusing on farm vetting. If that makes sense, because yeah, then it would kind of give you that slightly wider picture but I mean most vets are they're willing to learn as much as they can so you just kind of learn on the job and you find you'll find those farmers who are interested and you bounce off and you just you learn so much even just like I always found like you learn so much like I love all like learning about the breeding and stuff and just chatting during your routine visits you know and you learn more of the wider aspects not specifically taught in lessons when you're at vet school but you learn it like on the job if that makes sense yeah absolutely absolutely it's yeah I, I was a question I considered asking you from the start because I thought it was quite a 
a cool you you'd have an interesting perspective i guess um i hope i answered it in the right way that you're looking for sorry no, yeah. absolutely, absolutely did yeah no here it's been it's been a really good episode uh ollie i think you were sort of worried at first that you weren't going to do it justice you absolutely haven't you probably you probably don't realize this but we've already spoken for an hour nothing's getting edited and um, but there's there's a there's two questions i finish every podcast with everyone right. gets these questions um the first one is uh, where do you see yourself in five years which might be quite an interesting one, given the way you sort of said you're you're not sure where things are. And secondly, a few tips for folks. Who, and let's let's say veterinary tips for folks getting into veterinary. What would they be? Okay, so the tips getting into veterinary, I'd say, just yeah, get out there and learn as much as you can. Um, from yeah, go find a local vet practice and, but don't just follow the vets. Do everything work learn how the whole vet practice works because then you'll be an asset to the team if you appreciate the whole team you know um and understand how the whole business works and but i think also for getting into veterinary maybe like learning about yourself like um i certainly i didn't i was so focused on getting into veterinary that i kind of forgot about you know to do things to relax it was always like you know you've got to do the next thing the next thing like exams revision so finding way i think that's important to find a balance as well um but yeah it's just yeah get experience and see whether it is i guess the right thing for you um and then in five years time good question um because as we've discussed i always very much knew for a long time what i always wanted to do and it was really weird when I stopped being a vet, I suddenly stopped this focus on this path of, so I was like, so like once I was a vet, after a few years, I was like, right, I'll do my medicine certificate now. And then my plan was like, right, I've done my medicine certificate, then I'll do an imaging certificate or I'll, you know, look at, you know, further qualifications within that. And then actually when I stopped and then now I'm on this path, you know, enjoying being a mum, enjoying being on the farm, it's really weird because it's almost a bit scary because I don't, I actually, honestly, I don't know where I am going to be in five years time yeah. professionally, but I think in a way it's probably quite good for me because then you never, maybe I won't be so blinkered and maybe my eyes will be open to other opportunities, if that makes yeah. sense. Um, so yeah, it's not quite answering the question, but I think it's probably, yeah, it's an important one for me that actually I don't need to, I don't need to know what I'm going to be doing, if that makes sense. I yeah. agree. I always agree. put so much pressure on the future that actually, yeah, I'm really enjoying the present. I love being a mum. I love being a part-time farm worker. Yeah, it's good. So, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the five... The five years question, I've done 125 podcasts, but I did 26 written stories before that. Um, okay. So the five years question, as has the other one, has been around for over 150 stories now, if you will. But um, I don't want to know where I want to be in five years. Um, there's been the odd person that's been like, what do you think about that question, Wallace? And I'm like, damn it, I was hoping they weren't going to ask. Uh, because, Back on you. Yeah, I, I don't really like having a. I've got to be there. Certainly, in the last few years, I've been probably, I've I've found myself a year later much further ahead than I ever thought I would have been a year behind. Yeah. There's yeah. also times that that's going to be the opposite, and that's not a bad thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. put that pressure on yourselves. <laughs> yeah, on ourselves. Yeah. yeah. I personally don't like objective targets, so so yeah, that's I can. Um, but no, honestly, I appreciate your time, Holly. It's been it's been great. I hope you've enjoyed your time as well. I really have enjoyed it. Thank you. I was very nervous, and yeah, so thank you for inviting me on and for pushing me out of my comfort zone because it was fun. It was good. Nice to chat to you. <laughs> and I apologise we didn't get to film this earlier. Uh, for those listening, I I had a really sore head when I was supposed to be filming Holly a couple of weeks ago. I think I think it was the fourth <laughs> episode I was filming that day, and uh, not that that was the issue, but randomly I just had a headache, and I was like, oh, I'm going to be an absolutely rubbish host if I do this. So uh, we 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 rescheduled, but. Um, 
yeah, I hope you've enjoyed hearing Holly's story. I know I have. If you want to go and follow Holly, it's Instagram. It's cups.on.cows. Is there a dot after it? Can't remember. No. Cups on cows, you'll find it. Um, and uh, yeah, the last thing I'm going to say to yourself, Holly, is uh, good luck with the farm. Good luck to yourself and Adam. And uh, it was Abel and Casey. Is that right? Abel. Yeah, yeah. So good luck to the team of four. And I'm sure there's more staff as well. Um, for those of you listening, I hope you've enjoyed. I certainly know, know I have. Um, yeah, what's the next episode? Yes, Josh sort of talking about his attempt at getting into it. Well, I tell you what, I'll give you a clue. It involves ducks. Uh, so that's that's the clue I'll give you, which is quite an interesting one. Um, that is going to be our next episode. For those of you that are new to the podcast, of which I think there's about normally 700 new people to each episode, from what I understand. Um, yeah, yeah, it's kind of crazy. It's kind of just went mad but if you are new and you're thinking oh this is quite fun um if you like food and farming stories we're releasing six a month um if you also just like hearing stories of anyone we're now releasing two on a new series with a good friend of mine called ed uh, and the series is <laughs> the series isn't called ed my friend's called ed um the, the series is called all in so far we've had a professional footballer the british timber sports champion a volleyball player. I am just going to once we finish this uh, recording, upload or not upload the 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 episode's already uploaded, but just share it on Facebook and Instagram. An episode with a guy who's been deployed in Iraq. Um, so yeah, really sort of covering all the stories. Said person that was deployed in Iraq. We were about ten minutes in, and the only really the only rule I have for that all in series is there's no ties to food and farming. And uh, it just suddenly came up, we're 10 minutes in, so I wasn't going to change it. But he was like, oh, yeah, I'm from a farm. And I was like, oh, no way, tell us about the farm. And he's like, yeah, it's 110,000 acres. And I was like, he said that wrong. Um, but he had not said that wrong. Uh, the farm is 110,000 acres. Uh, and I was like, how? Uh, okay. <laughs> that is the size of some counties. Anyway, um, so yeah, that was that was a good episode with, with the guy, Duncan, uh, who was deployed in Iraq. But um, this is also a, another great episode, more to come. Um, follow on Facebook and Instagram, Rural to the Kitchen, if you're enjoying it and you want to follow me or don't follow if you want to enjoy your life more. Um, yeah, Holly, thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure. <laughs> And uh, yeah, we'll see you all for R2Cast number 126. Thank you all for listening. I hope you've enjoyed another excellent episode of the R2Cast. I just want to take this moment to quickly thank our primary sponsors once more, A-Plan Rural. If you follow A-Plan on social media, you'll see the work they're doing to really promote British farming and back our industry. It's been a pleasure working alongside A-Plan Rural so far and long may it continue. The values of A-Plan Rural runs perfectly in line with the whole mantra of Rural to Kitchen and I'm glad to have them on board. Check them out on Instagram at A Plan Rural and on Facebook at A Plan Rural Insurance. See you for the next podcast.